Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we're bringing you the story of the disappearance of Emma Filipov. We're not really sure how to mispronounce that, so sorry if we are. We would love to be educated. Please let us know if we can do better on that. Um... But yeah, that is our story for today, and we'll kick you off. Well, actually, the last time we talked to you, we were taking another break for Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras was really fun. We survived somewhat in one piece. (laughs) We feel very old afterwards, but our best friend came to town, and that was like the best thing ever. We loved having her here. I wish she was here all the freaking time. She's like my other half like she is literally me in a form that I love but yeah so we spent some time with her I did the Joe Kane Sunday that we discussed I did that on Sunday it was really fun it wasn't quite as lively as it was before COVID understandably so just Mm, I don't know I talked to our eyebrow girl and she said that even her husband and her like kind of tried to do it but it was way more people than it's been in a few years and I think that that was mostly because from what I've heard in the past there are several parades throughout the day on Joe Kane Day um this year there were only two parades so the parades itself were very like hectic and overwhelmed because there were only two of them But outside of that, there really wasn't anything else going on. There wasn't a whole lot of people around downtown. It just wasn't what everybody built it up to be, in my opinion. And I think that that was because there were only the afternoon and the night parade. Whereas from what I hear, it was kind of more like Fat Tuesday in the past. Which this Fat Tuesday, there were definitely parades going like all day long. They started within an hour and a half of each other but pretty much if you sat in the perfect spots on our main street government boulevard government street right there like you could catch a parade every 30 45 minutes right there yeah so fat tuesday was definitely more of what i expected and i definitely went both days but i expected joe kane day to be more like Fat Tuesday because everybody in Mobile is like Sunday is more important than Tuesday. Yeah. But anyways, I've either never way, been to a Joe Kane day. Either way, it was super fun. It was exciting to like have my first Mobile Mardi Gras experience. I'm glad that I did it. My husband asked me how I felt the next morning, and I said old, and that was the only response that I could give, and I hobbled on by him. <laughs> And I hobbled by for a different reason. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, honestly, it was the best weather we've seen for a while. For a while. And it was hot. 75 plus degrees. It was just very hot. We weren't expecting it because the first Mardi Gras parade that we went to this season, it was cold. cold. Like I was bundled up in a fur jacket. (laughs) Yeah. And this that, time I needed to strip. That Tuesday, we went down. We didn't get there super early, but we got there early enough that we were able to stay, like stake out a good spot for the most part. Um, 
And then we wandered down to where my parents said they were and met up with them, got to catch the restart of the parade. <laughs> the same first parade. <laughs> and then we went to a new place that opened. We sat on the rooftop bar and the heat and everything, I guess, just like caught up with me. And I ended up passing out from being like overheated. Yep. And apparently um, in the process of passing out, sprained my ankle because that's just my luck. So I've been hobbling around for like a week with a sprained ankle. And it's not just like a regular sprain. It's like a high ankle sprain. So, you know, it goes up the side of the leg. And it's just just so much fun. And then, you know, because Logan can't be outdone. <laughs> she, she sprained her ankle. She's like, I heard it pop in three places. Oh, Lord. She, she did that on Saturday? Yes. So very recently. So she gave you a week. Yeah. So we're just, <laughs> you know, we're just dealing with just us kidding. all falling apart over here. Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, we we survived Mardi Gras in a way, but we are also hurting from it. All three of us have leg injuries right now. <laughs> all of us. That's the perk of getting old. Is yours the right leg or the left leg? Mine's my right. God, we're just all, it's all the right side. None of us make a complete person. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough chit-chat, I think. <laughs> we'll kick you off to our little bartending lesson for the day. Welcome back to another round of bartending with Sloan. Today, I'm primarily going to be talking about my new favorite vodka, and I'm going to say new um, to me our, for real. Our our favorite hour, yes, for sure. I'm just saying new to us because this was a big TikTok trend last summer, but unfortunately, here in the South, we're Mobile very slow. is very slow about gay stuff. Okay, the we have state controlled liquor. And they have to approve anything before it even comes into the state. And then for, like, private stores or whatnot to get, it has to be put on the books before they'll get it. So it, it, it's, it's a whole it's a shit long show. <laughs> okay. It's a long process. This was a very popular drink in the summer. And I finally saw it in our local, like, ABC store, which is, like, kind of it's an, government yeah it's the government run like liquor stores yeah it, so they'll have stuff that you can't find at private stores sometimes yes so i finally saw it at this store back in like november december around christmas time and i was like oh fucking finally they got it i'm gonna come back and get it next week and then the next week became the next week, and it was Christmas season, so it just wasn't the top of my priority. Anyways, all of this to say, it's a very long intro to bring you Smirnoff Spicy Tamarind. Tamarind? Tamarind? I think it's tamarind. I got it right on the first try. Look at me go. I pulled up the Smirnoff description just to give you, like, what they actually put in it, and then so we'll good. give you our personal description. So 
So they say this is the classic Mexican-inspired favorite, tangy, sweet, and sour in flavor. Amen. Oh, yes. The bottle is spicy, too. It glows under black, back, black light, only available in select markets. I want to say that that... Any uh, mobile friends, if you have a black light, let us know, because I want to try this out. <laughs> I also want to say that that stutter was because of Smirnoff. They have a typo. That one was not me. I will own up to every one of my other stutters. <laughs> but they put, it glows under backlight. <laughs> so okay. I, was like, I was like, it does not glow under backlight. <laughs> well, that's why. I, yeah. Anyway, anyways. So, to me, this is, I was expecting mango with, like, tahini. And that's kind of what it is. But to me, it's more peach. Yeah, it definitely has kind of that peach flavor to it. And it's got just like a little bit of spice. So like if you're like sitting there reading it and you see spicy tamarind, you're like going, oh, I don't do spice. Believe me, I don't do spice. But this, this is good. You say a little bit. But it honestly depends on the amount of liquor that you pour into your drink. If you pour a classic shot into your drink, 1.25 ounces, it's not going to be spicy. If you're pouring like 2 plus 3 ounces or more, you're going to catch a lot more of that spice. Believe me, been there, done that. I yeah. have a heavy pour compared to Trish. I mean, what I have in my current drink. It has the uh, enough spice like that. I'm like, all right, that's good. If I go past that, I'm going to be like, can't finish this. Mm -hmm. But what yes. we're like, the first time we tried, like we tried it in a shot first, just so we could like get a true like flavor profile of it. And then one single and shot. And I immediately, when I tasted it, I was like Mexican candy shot. Yes. Yes. And we'll bring another, like, we will bring you cocktails with this vodka mixed into it later on. But primarily today, I wanted to introduce you to this if you have not heard of it yet. And in that case, I also want to recommend that if you don't want to make, like, a margarita-style drink, just mix it with sour mix. Another great alternative is Simply Lemonade makes um, mixology drinks mixers like mixers and the one that our friend bought when she was here was a peach one a peach sour yeah and so it's, it's a peach margarita mix so good with this because like i said to me this is not very mango which they're very similar don't get me wrong i, I don't come for me peach and mango are very similar but they also are different so i would have labeled this vodka more as peach versus mango and the peach sour just really complements it very well i wish that i could do like a chamoy tahine rim with it it would really highlight this drink very well but even just on its own this vodka 12 out of 10 do recommend if you like mango natas if you like chili yeah. lime tahine that sort of flavor profile you need this vodka in your life. It's so good. Yes. All it's, right. It's definitely our new obsession. So we highly recommend it. If you can find it, definitely give it a shot. Even if you say you don't <laughs> like spicy because you can you can hide the spice for the most part if you don't oh, yeah. want it. 
depending on what you mix this with and that's other cocktail possibilities in the future but you could even take other tequilas vodkas whiskeys things like that and mix it with this vodka and it's still like chef's kiss so good we'll kick you off to the episode all right so as we said today's episode is on the disappearance of emma philipoff i think is how it's pronounced i could be very wrong i haven't seen anywhere that has done a like pronunciation i'm sure there's some podcasts out there that have maybe gotten the pronunciation i just there's been a lot going on okay i couldn't look into everything (laughs) but doing our best (laughs) that's what she's trying to say yes so but This one, I mean, if you've listened to other podcasts, it's very possible that you do know it. But for those of you that don't and you're still kind of baby crime tenders, (laughs) this is our this is our introduction for you. So I will say this is our like first I believe it's our first Canadian episode. If we've done um, any, they've only, like, trickled into it. They haven't been fully I based did, in there. I did the one case where the guy lived in Canada, and then he traveled to Tennessee. Yes, you and know, this is literally, yeah. purely in Canada. Yeah. So, Canada, I love you. I, I always have said, with my love of hockey and everything, I would be a better Canadian than American. When it came down to um, Canada versus USA in um, the Olympics for hockey, I was definitely rooting for Team Canada over USA. Don't get us started on the healthcare. Oh, yeah. So, um, any Canadians out there that, you know. We love you. You looking for a wife? I'm right here. was it on um oh no was it the one with em and christine what's what's and that's why we drink you know em always says she's canadian i i call me em (laughs) but anyways getting back to our case so emma arrives in Victoria, British Columbia in the fall of 2011 from Perth, Ontario. And if you don't know Canadian geography, you have Canada as a whole, and then it's divided into provinces. And within like the provinces, you have like your different cities that you've probably heard. But from what I remember, Ontario and, like, British Columbia really aren't that far apart. I want to say they're neighboring providences, but don't shoot me if if I'm wrong there. But, yes, she basically goes from Victoria, British Columbia, which I know that is basically kind of over, like, Washington in that area. 
And then Ontario is kind of like the middle. So that's why I said I know they're not super far. But she moved from Victoria to Ontario. And she briefly had a job at a seafood restaurant called Redfish Bluefish Seafood restaurant in Victoria in Inner Harbor. Yes, I immediately went, Redfish Bluefish. <laughs> I was about to say, they really missed out on, but they really missed out on continuing that. Like, yes. Redfish Bluefish Seafish. <laughs> I immediately went to like Dr. Seuss and I was like, <laughs> one fish, two fish. <laughs> 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 they could have done better. <laughs> well, yeah. In all senses. Well, I was like, oh, you missed out. I'm sure that they understood the pun, but they were like, we can't do this. But yeah, she, wor- she worked at this restaurant for a little bit in Victoria. And the job was seasonal. So she left on October 31st. 2012 but told co-workers that she would be back in the spring now according to police on november 21st emma hired a tow truck in which like basically in what they believe was preparation to move back to ontario So, she rented the truck in order to move her Mazda from, oh, I think I did a typo here. Like backlights? Kind of. (laughs) But basically from, like, this one place to a parking garage. So, she, apparently her car was not, like, in working condition for her to be able to drive it from one place to the other. So in all this kind of take that into account. So unknowingly she had been staying at the Sandy Merriman house, which is a women's shelter. And she had been staying there on and off since February. On November 23rd, Emma was caught on tape at the Victoria YMCA. The security footage there shows her entering the building, then leaving only to enter again multiple times. And it's almost like she's trying to avoid someone, but you don't ever see anyone else on camera. So it was it's just a very odd behavior. Um a few days later, Emma called her mother to ask if she could come home. And then she called her many times and each time with her tone sounding different, but she begged her mom not to come to her. Which Obviously, our mothers are completely different. But if I called my mom and then, like, apparently sounding like Emma did, and then I was like, but don't come to me. My mom be like, fuck that, I'm coming. Your mom be like, okay. 
I think it would depend on her mood, to be honest. <laughs> like, I could see her coming for me, and I could see her doing that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, my mom literally, I think after the first worrisome, like, tone, she'd be like, I'm coming there. But, like, especially if I was like, no, no, please don't come. She'd be like, no, I'm coming. But that's also just, that's my mom. Different strokes for different folks. Yep. <laughs> like I said, but that, that's just my mom. My mom, literally, I'm the youngest of eight. My mom technically only had five, but she raised eight. They're the Brady Bunch. And if any of us call her crying or whatnot, she will drop everything to either fix what she can over the phone or, like, be there. Dad's along for the ride. <laughs> ride or die. Literally at the parade, we showed up and he had a front row seat. And we showed up and I was like, oh, I'm going to stand back here. And her mom was like, get your butt up here. And I got up Dad there. Dad just steps to the back and starts collecting everything that bypasses us. I felt so bad. <laughs> he doesn't care. He gets dragged down there by mom. I felt so bad. He's there to drink. He's a great dad. <laughs> And then also on that note, I also want to brag because the one time that my husband remembers meeting Trish's dad was whenever we were moving Trish and Logan into their house that they live in now. And it was like literally the same week that we moved our best friend Crystal to Tallahassee. And like her dad was so sick. He's one of those people that he's not going to show you that he's sick. But you could see it all over his face. He was green. He just did not feel well. He was stopping for breaks, which is not him. But he, like, pushed through, did not complain at all. Meanwhile, my husband feels great. And he's like, oh, man, I feel tired. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, like, at the end of it all, Nate goes, I just have so much respect for Trisha's dad. Like, I know that he was sick. And he didn't once say that he was sick. But you could just tell. And that is just the man that her dad is like yeah. he is he's technically been man. retired for a couple years but he's still working because one he goes crazy if he doesn't have something to do and two my mom would kill him uh-huh. <laughs> so it's just that's my dad he's always been like the one that he doesn't do well just sitting around but he is just like the dependable dad yeah. that you want. He's yes. She's very He's blessed. dad. <laughs> She's very blessed. I'll say it for her. She Logan, doesn't know what to Logan's, say. Logan's favorite thing is always when I moved into the apartment with like her and Crystal. Like we weren't even done allowing my stuff. And my dad goes, You can move back anytime. <laughs> and Logan goes, Not even unpacked. We haven't even unpacked the whole truck. And I was like, that's dad. I'm the baby. <laughs> she's the baby. <laughs> if you know about family dynamics, she's the baby. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah, just, that's my family. I am always introduced as the baby and it's... Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> I, they just, they just always are like, this is the baby and I'm like, I am fucking 33 years old. <laughs> uh, but 
Whatever. It's just, it's what happens when you're the youngest. You will always be forever seen as the baby. I'm the oldest. I don't know <laughs> what that's like. Responsibility for years. <laughs> Lifetimes. I mean, Craig likes to think that he, he's like that, but no. Craig's just as baby. But that's also just my family. <laughs> we always tell my parents, you know, they can suck up to all of us as much as they want, but they really need to suck up to my sister Jenny because she's going to be the one that puts them in anything nice later on in life. All right, so back to our case. So Emma's been living in a women's shelter since February. So on November 23rd, Emma was caught on tape. Oh, I did do this one. Sorry. This is when she went, like, to the YMCA, and she was going in and out, in and out, and whatnot, and it looked like she's trying to avoid somebody, but, like, you never have mm -hmm. anybody seen. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. So she calls her mom and everything. So the last call she made to her mother is when it was discovered that Emma had been staying at the women's shelter. And even though she asked her not to come, her mother made plans to fly out to Victoria. So, same as my mother would have done. Mm -hmm. On November 28th, Emma was seen on a 7-Eleven store video on Government Street purchasing a prepaid cell phone. And upon leaving, you can, you can once again see her hesitate and check the street outside the store. She returned to the 7-Eleven to buy a prepaid credit card for $200. She reportedly left the Sandy Merriman house at 6 p.m. that day. So, you basically buy yourself, like, a burner phone. You get yourself a $200 credit card. One can only assume from, like, your crime junkie, like, standpoint. Girl is looking to leave and not leave any, like, trace behind. So, soon after she leaves the, like, women's shelter, she hailed a taxi and asked to be taken to the Victoria International Airport. However, she soon exited the taxi for lack of adequate fare, even though she had the $200 prepaid card. Which shows me she didn't want to use that card until later. Yeah. So, it's just, this is the case that I talked about a while ago that I said, the more I got into it, I was just like, what the hell is going on? And then, like, at, like I'm going to get more into it. It's just, it's like one of those ones that you're just like, she was there, and then she was not there, and there's nothing. So, like... Obviously, she has, like, means to, like, get to the airport, like, if she would use that card, but she obviously is not using it for some reason. Mm -hmm. So, it's just, it's very strange. 
and then also you moved from like your hometown to somewhere and you end up living in a women's shelter obviously because you either can't afford to live somewhere else or you're trying to save money and so that's another thing that's just very like what are you trying to do so she gets kicked out of the cab because she doesn't have money for the fare Minutes later is when we see Emma walking barefoot in front of the Empress Hotel where a friend of hers called 911 to report a woman was in severe distress outside the hotel. So police arrived and spent 45 minutes speaking to Emma and decided that she was no threat to herself or others and so they released her. Hmm. That's also just such a tough call to make because not the same, but similar as a bartender, you have to make the call of like whether or not somebody's drunk. So recently I had there are people that will literally turn on and dime and you're just like, whoa, whoa, you were not <laughs> like that. And then there are times you're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I yeah, I don't feel comfortable. Well, and then also, like, recently had a gentleman that came in, and it was, like, literally right at open. He sat at the bar. He ordered a beer. And he was coherent, but also, like, not coherent. But he was coherent enough to where I felt comfortable serving him. But then, like, within five minutes of serving him, I was like, shit, I don't feel comfortable with what I just did. I don't know what to do. But then it turned out that he was kind of like special needs. And that was the issue with his speech. He was perfectly coherent. But just saying like, sometimes you're in those situations. And whenever you're hearing these stories, you're like, oh, they totally did wrong. But like, sometimes you're in that situation and you have to make that call. And it's not as easy as it seems from the other side. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things that they say it was a friend that called the police. So I'm like, where was that friend to be like, all right, they don't think you need help, but I'm going to stick by you. Because after that, the last time that Emma is reported being seen is 8 p.m. Okay, well, I didn't know that part yet. Yeah. Before I got defensive. I'm just like, the last time she's reported being seen is 8 p.m. that night. And that was basically for years. They thought the last time she was, like, ever seen was after the police said, we don't have reason to hold you. Bye. And in June of 2018, a report surfaced that someone had reported apparently seeing her after like 8 p.m. But I'm just like, again, where was that friend that apparently called 911? Because (laughs) hell, I overheated and passed out and Sloan and Logan are sitting there going, well, no, but like Sloan and Logan are sitting there texting each other like, okay, I dropped her off at the house. Are you almost home? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Logan said, walks in a couple minutes later. Let's not do that again. I text Logan and I said, hey, I just left 
Trish at home. She seems fine. I know you're on the way home. I was just checking on my bitches. <laughs> Fuck me for caring. <laughs> Damn, I won't do that again. Text Logan real quick. I'm just saying, it was like, I'm like, all I did was pass out. And I got these two being like, you okay? You okay? <laughs> I was like, this this girl's obviously going through something. Her friends are like, all right, let's call 911. Let them deal with it. Oh, they don't want to deal with it? Fine. You go about your way, Emma. <laughs> like, damn. But yes. So, the la- like I said, the last time she was reported being seen that same day is 8 p.m. So, it's it's a big thing. I also have all of my bitches' locations. Yeah, like all I said, it's it's just like I understand this is 2018. Like the whole tracking people thing is not. No, we were think, tracking each other at that point. I mean, we were, but it's it wasn't as common. I don't feel like my two best friends from Jackson have been tracking me for longer than that. <laughs> It is what it is. Some people find it creepy, but, like, it's really only creepy with the intent that you use it. I have my friend's location, and my husband, like, knows that he can reach out to them if he can't get in touch with me or whatever. And he also has the location of my car, but not my phone, because he's an Android user, not an iPhone user. But all of that to say, like, we keep location on each other, one- in case we're carrying each other's food. Because it's very I, important. I do it sometimes to Logan that I'll be like, hmm, let's see where she's at. And I'll just check and I'll be like, oh. And then I'll like see that she's like, she was coming to drop off like band-aids the whole day. <laughs> and I was like, she should be, oh, she's pulling in. So I literally walk down the steps and she's like on her phone trying to text like that. She's here and I walk up and she goes, what the fuck? And I was like, I was <clears throat> tracking you. <laughs> and for instance, on Mondays, Trish is tracking me to pick her ass up on for Mexican. Yeah. And then another reason is for safety. Because, like, if I don't know where the fuck you are, I can just see where the fuck you are. Yeah. And then thirdly, if I'm like, hey, I need a favor, and then I look and see that one of you are at work, I know not to ask for the favor unless it can be <laughs> done later. But... It's not to, like, stalk my friends. And that's what a lot of people think that it's about. It's not. It's about me and my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally, I can literally be like, why are they not responding? I'll look and be like, oh, they're at work. <laughs> Too busy. <laughs> and then there's sometimes I'm like, mm, her phone's probably on silent. <laughs> So, the last time she was reported being seen that night is at 8 p.m. So, the police end up meeting up with Emma's mother at the Sandy Merriman house where Emma's been staying. And her mother, like we said, decided she didn't care what Emma told her. She was going to come out and check on her anyways. So she went to the one place that she knew she had been staying, and then she called police, and they met up with her there. 
And then by midnight, Emma's actually reported as a missing person. So initially, police report, like, the report stated that Emma had been seen with friends several blocks away at Berta Avenue between Blanchard and Quadera Street. I think that's how it's pronounced. But we don't know if that's actually the case. Because like I said, according to like what they're saying, the last time she was officially seen was 8 p.m. So <laughs> did the friends leave her at 8? Or were police just trying to say, oh yeah, no, she was with friends. Leave it at that. So it's, it's just all very like, you don't know what to believe and like what information lines up with what. So more than 200 leads were looked into for this investigation and they only turned up minimal information of what happened to Emma. Most of the information gathered pointed to Emma being, like, Emma talking about going back to Ottawa, which is where she's from. But there is zero evidence that she left Victoria. Also, if you remember, she bought a new cell phone. She bought the new cell phone and the $200 prepaid credit card. That cell phone was never activated. Okay, I was believing that she ran away until that. So, if you're going to spend the money on a cell phone, why would you never activate it? It's just, like I said, this this case, like, you, you'll read information, you'll think one thing, and then, like, something like that pops up, and you're like, whoa, 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 that's, like, completely in left field there. <laughs> that's leading me a different way. So it, like I said, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that you sit there and you're like, okay, maybe she ran away. Oh, the cell phone she bought was never activated. That's suspicious. Also, Emma's credit card was allegedly found by a stranger on the side of the road near the Juan de Fueca Community Center. And that's north of where she disappeared from. And police were able to track that credit card because it was used by the stranger to buy cigarettes. So, did she drop it or did you take it? Or was it, like, sold to you? Like, it's just, it's one of those things you're like, was it though? <laughs> so while looking into Emma, it's also noted that she wrote numerous poems about her time in Victoria, but none of them ever indicated that she was being stalked. So none of them, like, make note of why, like, 
she entered the YMCA and like Exon always looked like she was like looking out for someone. Also, it's noted that the poems did indicate that she was depressed, but none had any suicidal tendencies to them. Staff at the Sandy Merriman house did tell her mother that Emma needed both physical and medical intervention, but also, as most of us know, um, a lot Mental of the- Mental health is not taken seriously. Yes. So, did she really need all the intervention that they're claiming, or- did you just have people on staff that don't know how to deal with it? So, take that with a grain of salt. So, one thing that is kind of good to note, but also we have no way of knowing if it's at all involved with her disappearance, is the fact that in 2016, Emma's mother and brother were charged with money laundering as well as drug and weapons offenses. <laughs> yeah. And this was looked into by the Ontario Provincial Police. So, if you ask her mother, she insists that the charges had nothing to do with Emma's disappearance. And in November of 2016, all charges were actually dropped against her mother. They don't mention the brother, so I'm assuming the brother had to bear the brunt of everything. But it is something to note because if she went missing, whoever is involved in this money laundering and whatnot could be also responsible for Emma disappearing. So, we do have some supposed leads that throughout the years have kind of been looked into, but there's no, like, resolution. And one of them is from the Campbell River Courier Islander newspaper. And this was reported way back in May of 2014. And this took place in Vancouver, where business owners Joel and Lori Sellen witnessed a man in their store throwing out a $2,500 missing persons reward poster for Emma. And they reported that the man apparently said, it's one of those missing persons posters, except she's not missing. She's my girlfriend, and she ran away because she hates her parents. Now, this man was caught on security cameras, but he, as of yet, is still to be unidentified. And that's as much as that lead goes to. In the summer of 2018, a man named William came forward with new information about encountering a woman the morning after Emma's disappearance, and this woman matched the general description and demeanor of Emma. 
The report resulted in the organization of a search of the View Royal area, which is in Victoria. And in December 2018, this is when that search happened, but it turned out no new information. And I guess because they felt so strongly about this lead that maybe it could lead something. There was another search planned for 2019, but I have no information about. So I don't know if it even happened or if it turned up anything. I'm assuming not because, like I said, there's no sort of information. You said what year? 2019. So right before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic. So Victoria Media drew information from um, Kimberly Broadages. I think that's how it's said. It's she ha- she runs a podcast, which is I guess it's called the Search for Emma Philipoff. Mm-hmm. So if you want like probably more detailed information, maybe listen to her. Like I said, I tried to look up what I could, but it was like all a bunch of different articles saying the same exact thing. So she might have stuff that I don't know about. Depends on how close she is to, Mm -hmm. I guess, um, news sources and like police and that. On November 29th, 2021, so very recent. The that was the ninth anniversary of Emma's disappearance. Police released additional images of Emma as well as pictures of art that she had created, hoping that it would create new leads. And clearly, it hasn't done a lot. So, in November of 2022, police released an age progression image of Emma. And I'll make sure that we put those pictures up. My thing is, when you're looking at Emma, for the most part, at least to me, there's nothing really that stands out from her and the average person. And I'm sure people that know her would be like, no, this is what's different. But, like, someone who has never met her is an objective third party. She looks like your average white woman with dark hair. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, there there is that. So, Canadian media and other medias, like International and American, have pretty much heavily covered Emma's disappearance. And the case has been featured on a lot of TV programs, podcasts, and, like, documentary series. The latest of those, like, documentary series has been in November of 2022 when a trailer was released for a docuseries following Emma's case. It's titled Barefoot in the Night, The Search for Emma Filipoff. Mm. Um, it's 
basically it's a docuseries that's led by her mother and a director named Kimberly Bordage, I think is how it's said. Um, and at the article that I found this on at the time, there was no release date. I didn't look into to see if there was anything, but like I said, I did kind of try to do a deep search and it didn't get brought up. So I'm still thinking that due to COVID and stuff, it's been delayed. Mm-hmm. But makes sense. I yeah. still feel delayed. Yeah. So there's been multiple things. You can definitely look into it and see like what's out there for you to look into if you care to look into it more. Um they are still asking that if you have any like tips or know anything from that night that she went missing or if you think you've seen her that if you have any information pertaining to Emma or her case that you call Victoria Police Department's non-emergency line at 250-995-7654 or call like your local police and they will pass on information or you can also call um Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. So, like I said, this is an ongoing case. This is one that literally, like I said, I was, like, looking into it, and I was just like, okay, it's a missing persons case. And then it, like, yeah, she wasn't seen. Eh, she was kind of seen. Oh, her friend, like, called 911. Then this happened this happened oh by the way she bought this prepaid phone it was never activated (laughs) what a lot of twists and turns it's definitely a fishy like i i don't know where to stand after all this to believe that she is still alive out there somewhere but also there's a lot bringing into like my like mindset being in the like crime junkie world going I don't know if she is alive so obviously like I said this is a Canadian case if she's alive it's very likely she's still in Canada but also say she was kidnapped into like a sex trafficking ring she could be in the U.S., she could be in Mexico. She could be overseas. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, we will get pictures up for you to be able to see Emma. And, ooh, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, if you think, if you've seen someone that looks like her and you're like, oh, again, I'll make sure I put up these, the little, the numbers that I mentioned. And... I mean, it doesn't hurt to call. You don't have to give your name or anything. You can stay anonymous, but a lot of these times, people that call in these anonymous tips end up being something that can, like, completely change the course of the case. Yeah. So. Don't think that anything's too small. Yes. But that is my case. Like I said, it's one that 
I was like, eh, it's going to be another missing persons case. It's whatever. And then, like, as I was researching and different details came out, I was like, is she missing or... Is she not? So, yeah. It was interesting. And like I said, we haven't done a Canadian case, so... I feel like I needed to do it, but... With that being said, we will kick you off to our last call. Welcome back to another last call with Sloan. I had options for Trish here today. I gave her the option of how I met your mother because Robin in Canada or the Princess Diaries because, oh, Canada. (laughs) Like, that's what the... That's what the Genovia, Genovia thing yes, is. It's yes. based off of. And I do love How I Met Your Mother. I just never got into it as much as like some people. Me. <laughs> but Princess Diaries. Oh, I love me some Princess Diaries. So today I'm going to bring you fun facts about the Princess Diaries. Because Genovia. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know of it. Anyways, my first fun fact is Anne Hathaway really fell down during the rainy bleacher scene. And I feel like I heard that a long time ago. I've heard ago. that and I was like, same girl. Yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> during an interview, Anne Hathaway said that her dramatic fall in the bleachers in the scene with Lily was totally unplanned. I turned really fast, slipped on a puddle, and just, I mean, fell. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> fell. And but burst it's out so laughing. Great. And burst out laughing and kept going with the scene. Never thought about it again. And all of a sudden, like six months later, it's in the trailer. He kept it because it was a charming moment. I have to say it that that was a moment, her. and that was a moment that I truly felt like I connected with her too. Like this wasn't just some other, yes. you know, lowly character becoming a princess. This was a truly like lowly. Bottom of the barrel, clumsy as fuck. It fit Mia and her, like, awkwardness. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because I was sitting there going, I would do the same damn thing. (laughs) Same. The next one, several big name actors had small roles in the film. 2001 was nearly two decades ago. I mean, at this point, (laughs) over two decades ago. So you may have forgotten that both Mandy Moore, who was Lana, Lana. <laughs> and Sandra O, oh, who was the principal, oh. were featured in the film. Mandy Moore, we never forget, who is the lead character on NBC's award-winning series This Is Us, and fucking A Walk to Remember. I was bitches. say A Walk to Remember. Do not disrespect our queen. Thank you. <laughs> Played Mean Girl Lana and Golden Globe winner Sandra O oh played Vice Principal Gupta. Gupta. Oh, I love her. I yes. fucking love Gupta. The queen is coming. <laughs> I love Sandra O, oh, but I really love the Vice Principal Gupta. So oh. much. The queen is coming. The queen is coming. <laughs> Can I get you a tea? Can I'm I get sorry you? we don't have such fine china. <laughs> Here. I feel like for the youngins, oh. 
this next fact is going to be mind-blowing because I know for teenagers, Shrek is like a ultimate wannabe experience. And whenever they find out that we were able to see it in theaters, boom, mind-blown. But The Princess Diaries was Anne Hathaway's first major movie. I know, and it's crazy. It's fucking classic, man. Disney knows what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Although Hathaway had previously appeared on the TV series Get Real, the Meg Cabot book-turned-movie was her first Hollywood film. She told Glamour Magazine in 2013 that starring as a princess in the hit film caused her to be categorized as a good girl in the industry, a label she spent years trying to break free of, which she finally did with The Devil uh, Wears Prada. Yes and no, because she was still kind of a good girl. In the beginning. In the beginning. She let power. Yeah. I think um, Bride Bride Wars kind of changed more of that because, you know, she starts becoming like a bridezilla. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next fun fact is the mayor in the film was played by the actual mayor of San Francisco. Instead of hiring an actor to play the part, they just got Willie Brown, the then mayor of San Francisco, to do it. (laughs) Brown can be seen arriving in the Genovian Independence Ball towards the end of the film. Ray never comes down. (laughs) Never. Never. Uh. Robert Schwartzman, who played Michael, was the front man of rock band Rooney. California rock band Rooney has a strong connection to the world of the Anthropolis. Thermopolis. Front man Robert Schwartzman played her unrequited and un, unrequited 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 love interest <laughs> michael miscavitz <laughs> ah, that was a hard word yeah. for sloan <laughs> although the rest of the band doesn't appear in the film their songs were used for the scenes with schwartzman's on-screen band he doesn't appear in the sequel because he was touring with his band, which just so happens to be the same way his character was written off the movies. Yeah, which is bullshit! <laughs> I was, uh, as much as we love Chris Pine. I was so happy to have Chris Pine. <laughs> Anyways, the movie soundtrack also featured other notable late 1990s musicians like, like the boy band Hanson. <laughs> The Princess Diary soundtrack also featured songs like Wake Up by Hanson, Little Bitty Pretty One by Aaron Carter, Split Personality by Pink, What Makes You Different Makes You Beautiful by the Backstreet Boys, and of course, Mandy Moore's live performance of Stupid Cupid, You're a Real Mean Guy. <laughs> Stupid Cupid, you And then you have Princess Diary 2 is Breakaway, right? Mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson, yes. Yes. Princess Diaries is a pivotal moment in our culture. Raven appears. Yes. Although that was Raven, that's so Raven. It was post that so Raven, but still. If you don't know who Raven is, you need to educate yourself. They are amazing. Yes. The original books were partially inspired by Meg Cabot's life. On her website, 
Cabot wrote that parts of the Princess Diaries were actually inspired by her life, namely the fact that her mom dated one of her teachers after <laughs> her dad died. And Cabot wrote that she also used to imagine that her real parents were royalty, and thus, Mia Thermopolis was born. My friend Emily was obsessed with Meg Cabot. I loved her books. I know she has quite a few different ones, but like obviously Princess Diaries is like the main thing she's mm-hmm. known for. Yeah. I've read a lot. I want to say, and I could be completely wrong. I might be pulling this out of my ass, but I think the Cheetah Girls books remember. were written by her too. I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyways, director Gary Marshall made a cameo in the film. He also said that he made the film for his granddaughters. And I was going to skip over those fun facts because they're not that fun to me. But his gr- his daughter and granddaughters had roles in the film. His granddaughters, Lily and Charlotte, were the duo as auto seeker- autograph seekers in the first film. And oh. they appear in the se- they appear in the second film as Princess Camille and Princess Grace, respectively. Nice. Then the director's daughter, Kathleen, also appeared in both films as Charlotte Cutaway, the Queen of Genovia's secretary. Ah. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh-huh. She's the short, like shoulder-length blonde-haired lady. Like, if you saw her, you would know her. As yeah. soon as I showed her to Trish, she was like, oh, yes. Well, I you remember heard. Charlotte. I don't... I'm not good with names. Not my forte. I remember her. The server from the dinner party scene was also the server in Pretty Woman. I did know that. Marshall made allusions to Pretty Woman throughout the Princess Diaries, including using the same actor to play the waiter. In both films, the leading actress has a scene where she accidentally breaks a wine glass, and in both films, the waiter who cleans it up is played by actor and writer Marvin Braverman. Happens all the time. (laughs) That's the next paragraph. Uh. Anne Hathaway had plenty of creative input in the film. In a 2001 interview with Screen Slam, Anne Hathaway said Marshall allowed the actors to give plenty of creative input into the film. For example, Anne helped come up with the broken hairbrush scene and the poor strip her character wears in the movie. (laughs) You broke my glasses. (laughs) You broke my hairbrush. (laughs) That's where I lost it. You started laughing. (laughs) I was doing so well. And then you started laughing and I couldn't. You broke my glasses. You, you broke, broke my hairbrush. hairbrush. One does not equal the other, sir. <sighs> Classic movie. <laughs> the film used the same... I look like a moose. I make the boy moose go... If there's nothing else to watch Princess Diary for, you have to watch the makeup scene. Have to. Have to. Whew. The film used the same Disney soundstage as Mary Poppins for filming. Did oh. not fucking know that. Brand new information here. And Julie I'm a Disney. Andrews felt right at home. I'm a Disney fanatic, but it's funny that you say that exact sentence because that soundstage is now named after Julia Andrews. Oh. The queen herself. 
This was the second movie Julia filmed on Soundstage 2, and in honor of her association with the set, Disney renamed it after her. Love. Love, love, love. Queen Clarice Rinaldi. The actor who played Joe Hector... uh, The (laughs) the actor who played Joe... love Joe. Hector Elizondo... I totally butchered that. I already know. I can't speak Spanish well. I'm sorry. Has been in nearly all of Marshall's films. <laughs> Queen Clarice Rinaldi's lead security official in Love Interest was played by Golden Globe nominated actor Hector Elizondo. If he looks familiar to fans, they may have seen him in nearly any other film directed by Marshall, including Pretty Woman. I thought I saw him in that. I knew it. <laughs> Runaway Bride and Valentine's Day. Oh. I haven't seen Valentine's Day since I was in high school. It's been a while, but Runaway Bride, yeah. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, he said that he thought that him and Marshall worked well together. So, we compliment each other. Some call him the king of schmaltz. I love schmaltz, and I tend not to go in that direction. I add another ingredient, something very realistic. We intersect, and it works somehow. Go figure it. Never tried on high heels, but they sound painful. (laughs) Thankful to have Joe. Uh. Elizondo was largely largely responsible for Joe and Queen Clarice's relationship. Oh, he also told the San Francisco Chronicle that Joe wasn't originally supposed to be such a prominent character. Could you imagine the movie without him? No, because I fucking love Joe. He makes it. He and Andrews helped persuade Marshall and the writers that their characters should end up together. No. We thickened the soup up a little bit for the adults. In the original script, he was just a guy who drove a limo. But slowly we evolved this other character that came from a reading... Julie and I looked at each other and said, hmm, you're cute. We liked each other very much. And from there it grew. Literally could not imagine the Princess Diaries. Without Joe. Forget the whole, like, series. Like, let's just talk about the original movie. The original movie, it would not be as classic of a hit without that storyline. I mean, come on. Because he shows up when she's in the rain. Yeah, And then he's like, he says something along the lines of, like, I always get my girl or something. I don't yes. know. And I'm just like, Joe. Yes. And it's just, it's extra special because, like, he's not just a paid employee. He cares about her because he cares about her grandmother. And it's this whole freaking thing. You can't tell me that wasn't a plot line in the original story. No, no. Whew. The photo of Mia's late father appears to be a picture of Anne Hathaway's real life dad. Didn't know that. That's him all grown up. That's legit. Yeah. They do. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Although the late Renee Aber- Aber- Yeah. Was the voice of Mia's dad. <laughs> Philippe Rinaldi, the photo that Mia keeps on her desk actually appears to be a picture of Anne Hathaway's real father, Gerald Hathaway. Love that. Whitney Houston helped produce the film. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut. Shut the front door. Whew. I can't. Nope. And she helped produce the second one, too. I'm here for it. Genovia is not a real country. I've looked it up. 
But if it were real, it'd be in Europe. In the film, Mia's family rules in the country of Genovia. Although the country isn't real, in the movie's universe, Genovia is a European country. Outside of the Genovian consulate building in San Francisco, both Genovia's flag and the flag of Europe are flying. Interesting. They made up a whole flag. Yeah. Julia Andrews was responsible for Genovia's pear obsession. <laughs> in a bonus clip from the happy days of Gary Marshall, Julia said that when she first met with Marshall to discuss the film, he asked her a lot of questions about Genovia. When he asked what she thinks they'd make in the country, she said, making it all up in the spur of the moment, I said, well, I think we'd grow beautiful pears and the nuns would probably make lace. She continued, well, we had pears all over the set and lace all over the place <laughs> as well. Uh, uh, all right, Julie, we're going to give you your own country. What do you think we should have? Meanwhile, God. if you ask me, it's slow. Tequila. We'd like tequila. <laughs> tequila. And spicy <sighs> vodka. <laughs> I have other requests. Puppies. Yeah. Kitties. Puppies. Sloan wants puppies. I want kitties. I want both, but we can have our own you wings. Can't, you can't let me give up my boys. We can have our own wings of the palace. I'll come visit. <laughs> the allergies are worth it to you. It's not worth it to me. But anyways, those are my fun facts about Oh Canada, aka the <laughs> Princess Diaries. Now That's... she's gonna be like, oh, yeah, Canada. Canada. <laughs> be like Genovia. <laughs> That's how we ended up here. But thanks for hanging out with us today on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. You can also find us on social media. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. We have an email, tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon for as little as two dollars a month to get ad-free episodes. Along with some bonus content, um, we are working on more of that bonus content. We've been kind of slacking, but it's also been because our mental health needed a break also. So, we are working on it. We got a lot of excuses and not a lot of time. <laughs> but, like I said, for as little as $2 a month, you can go there and get some ad-free episodes and some bonus stuff. And then... Pay a little more, you get a little bit more content. It's just all what you're feeling like paying. And then easiest way to find us there is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. Or you can go to our pretty much our socials and click on our link tree and there should be a button there that says Patreon. You click on that. It should send you directly to our page. If for some reason you cannot find it, you cannot figure out how to get there, reach out to us. We will try to direct you there the best way we can. But I guess with that being said, until next time. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Beep. <laughs>